Well, good morning, church family. So glad you are here with us celebrating our eighth birthday. And um, I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, today we're wrapping up the series two on the book of Ecclesiastes, and I hope certainly you found it to be uh, helpful and fruitful in your life. And if you have not read through the book, I would encourage you highly to go read through it. I'll put a few verses up just to put our minds back on uh, what we've gathered so far and what the author of this book, Solomon, we believe, um, wrote. And so we'll put a couple of verses up and then we'll jump in more in today's talk. So one of the verses that we mentioned in chapter two, he said, I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces, and I hired wonderful singers and both men and women and many beautiful concubines. Ultimately, he says, remember this, I had everything a man could desire. Uh, this is the place of the author, and this is where his heart is. Man, I have had everything. I've had fame. I've had glory. I've had power. I've had uh, everything I ever wanted, he writes. And then another key verse in Ecclesiastes is this one. This is really important to understanding the book. Verse 9 of chapter 3, he writes, what do people really get for all their hard work? Because I've seen the burden that God has placed on us all. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. The author makes this conclusion, and we'll put it up in the screen, that nothing under the sun satisfies the soul. Therefore, life without God is meaningless. Remember, throughout the scripture of this particular book, we see under the sun, we see meaningless, this Hebrew word hebel. And it's all meaningless without God. And then today, we're going to look at chapter 11 and chapter 12. And so if you have your sermon notes, uh, you can get those out and follow along if you don't. If we have some in the back still, you can lift your hand. If you don't have sermon notes and follow along with us today, I would highly encourage you to do that. And then an usher will bring one to you. But first, we'll begin with chapter 11 and verse 1. To send your grain across the seas, he writes, and in time, prophets will flow back to you. Then he writes this as good wisdom, but divide your investments, right? Have a diverse portfolio among many places. And then he writes, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. When clouds are heavy, the rain comes down. I thought that was funny since we are right now experiencing a downpour. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. This is really huge verse. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. What's he getting at? The farmer who's so analytical about the world and he waits perfect timing will never end up planting. Therefore, he'll never reap a harvest. Sometimes we can get paralyzed in decision-making, waiting for the perfect timing, as if God is not sovereign over our decision-making. This is what he's writing. Solomon gently pushes you and me and his audience, his listeners, away from an analytical approach to life. And now all my hippies just said amen, right? And all my accountants are saying, what? What are you talking about? You know, every detail's got to be laid out. He's simply saying if we were always waiting for favoring conditions, then we're going to end up resembling the farmer who is always looking for perfect weather, but never ends up reaping the harvest that his heart desires. Then he writes in verse 5, just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in a mother's womb, 
So you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. In other words, there are some things on earth that simply we do not understand and cannot explain. Yet we try all the time to explain everything, but the reality is you cannot explain everything. This is his conclusion. He realizes it. God's ways are higher. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. His ways are not like our ways. The psalmist simply acknowledges that life is uncertain, which leads us to the first key truth I want to take you to. Uncertainty has a way of focusing us so exclusively on the mystery of what lies ahead that we forget what lies behind us. Sometimes you get so uncertain about what lies ahead of you that you forget about what's behind you. And the author is going to go into chapter 12 saying don't do that. In fact, he's going to call us to remember, and that's the title of today, A Call to Remember. There's a call on your life to always remember and a call on my life to remember what is behind. I know that we oftentimes say, no, look in the windshield, don't look in the river mirror. I would say that's a mistake. It's important to look in the past, and the author, Solomon, is going to tell us why in chapter 12. He writes this in chapter 12, verse 1, and I'll read straight through the first six verses, and you're going to see a common theme the way the New Living Translation puts it. He says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him and your youth before you grow old and say, life is not a pleasure anymore. Evidently, he was a little older. He says, remember him before the light of the sun, the moon, the stars is dim. To your old eyes, rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble. And before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding. And before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. Verse 4, he says, remember him before the doors to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of failing and worry about danger in the streets, before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom, and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. Isn't this great poetry right there? He says, and the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. I think my writing would say, you know, remember him when your ankles start to crack in the hallways and, you know, you know, anybody experiencing at that place now or everything hurts? How about that one? Remember him when everything hurts. He says in verse six, yes, remember your creator now, he says, while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. That's the key verse, last one. For then the dust, that is you and me, by the way, we're made of dust, will return to the earth. And the spirit will return to God who gave it. The word remember in this context means to pay attention to. That's really important. It's not just to recall for memory's sake. It's to remember for the purpose of paying attention. No different than a parent who says, pay attention to what I'm telling you. In one sense, the parent is saying, and we're hearing, hey, remember this, pay attention. 
At the same time, the remembrance is also for the purpose of obedience. Pay attention to what I'm telling you so that when you get there, you do it. Pay attention, listen in, so you hold on to it so then you can then apply it to your life when necessary. Pay attention to your creator. Don't lose focus of your creator. Solomon calls his audience, you and me, to remember, to pay attention so we can obey. And then in verse 13, he adds the final verse we'll talk about today. He says, that's the whole story. Here's now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. This is the duty of all mankind, to fear God and obey his commands. In life, there are things that we certainly love to forget, and we want to forget. I'm sure there are some regrets that we try to put as far back or pain or all kinds of things in the back of our mind that we want to forget. And some things should be forgotten, in a sense. But there are also some things that we cannot afford to forget. And the writer is saying, don't forget God. How easy it is to live life, especially in your youth, without God on your radar at all. How easy it is to be in this room in a gathering like this and hear the word of God preached and sing songs about God, but then somewhere during the week, you move on without him on your mind. I would say to you that whenever that does happen, have you paid attention to what has been spoken? This is his push. Pay attention to what I'm saying to you. Don't forget God. Because you will be tempted to forget him. In other words, not pay attention to him or his involvement in your everyday life. Solomon says that is a mistake. Don't live that way. I want to give you four reasons to remember God. Remembrance reminds of God's faithfulness. Anytime you look back, you see that God has been faithful in your life. What is faithfulness? He comes through over and over again. Everything he says will be done. He is faithful. He never backs out of one of his promises. He's faithful. He will fulfill all the things that he has said that he will do. He is faithful. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He is faithful. There's a consistency to God in everything he says that he will do, he does. He's consistent. He is faithful. Even when you and I neglect him and then we come back to them, he is faithful. He is faithful to you and me. And anytime we look back, we can remember his faithfulness. We look back on our lives and we can see where he watched over a situation or where he protected us in a situation. He was faithful to us or to you and to me. Remembrance builds our faith, if you would. It builds our faith. You look back and see how he's come through. We just sang a song called Same God, didn't we? We said you're the same God then as you are now. Look what you did then. Look what you can do now. In fact, a lot of the songs we sang had that theme to them, right? You healed then, you can heal now. So when you read scripture and you look at what God has done and you remember who he is, it can build faith and confidence that he can do it now in your life. This is what the author is getting at. Pay attention to him. Keep him on your mind. The psalmist writes, put him on your mind, put him in your heart, put him on your lips 
always, wherever you go, then you'll be successful. Remembrance is all through Scripture, really important. What I would say is a command even to remember him. This is why the Sabbath ultimately is given, right? The whole purpose of the Sabbath is, yes, to nap, but also to remember God. It's not just to rest. It's to rest and remember. The Sabbath is created to do that, that we would remember who he is. Do not forget him because it builds faith when you look back and you see what God has done throughout Scripture and your life. Number two, remembrance reminds us of God's goodness. You can see his goodness on your life. You can look back. That doesn't mean everything was perfect, but you can see that he is a good God and that he comes through for his people. Scripture says that he works out all things for good. And you can see how he could take uh, terrible decisions we've made and still turn those for good. He can take bad, poor things that we've done in life and turn them into a testimony to reach others. He can take all things that were deemed for evil and turn them for good. He can take a divorce, a terrible divorce in a family and abuse in a family, Rise up someone, if you would, from the ashes, someone from that story. Turn them into an advocate to help future people to get through scenarios like that. I mean, just think about all the ways that God uses situations in our lives to turn them for good, to help reach and save others. He can turn all things for good. He is a good God. So when we look back at history, it can remind us that he's good Ultimately, he is a good God. He watches over us. Number three, remembrance reminds us of God's love. I don't know if, I'm sure all of these, certainly I believe have biblical truth to them, but this one I think can certainly help the most. Anytime you remember God of who he is, what he's done, the cross, anytime you remember, you pay attention to him, it builds us up a little bit to remind us that he loves us. That you're a son, you're a daughter, that he cares for you, that he loves me. He's not just this distant God in heaven, but when I think about him, when I reflect on him, when I remember him, I'm reminded that he actually does care about me. This is what the Solomon is, is getting at in the heart of remembering us, remembering him, remembering your creator. Oftentimes when I remember him, I remember that, gosh, look how much you love me. So it takes a while, though, sometimes. You have to kind of get to a place where you can begin to think about him enough. And actually, Scripture would say, Paul would say to pray without ceasing. You know what praying is? Communicating with God. When you communicate with God, you know what you're doing? You're paying attention to what he says. When you pay attention to what he says, it reminds you consistently of his love for you and how much he cares about you. And so the encouragement is to live life this way. Live life in a way that I am constantly remembering who he is in my life and how much he loves me. So when I feel alone, I remind myself of who he is, then all of a sudden his love begins to fill me when I no longer feel alone because his love is filling me. When I feel in question about a decision and I want to go left or go right, and what do I do? I'm reminded of his goodness. I'm reminded of his faithfulness, and I'm reminded that he loves me, and he cares for me, and he will guide me everywhere that I go. He looks out for me. 
This is what it means to pay attention and to remember your creator daily, hourly, minute by minute, moment by moment, as often as you can, remember him. Because it will build that confidence that he actually loves you. You'll be in the middle of a decision or in the middle of a situation and you'll be wanting to know something and you can then remind yourself, wait a second, you love me. And then that love can then encourage you to do what he says to do because you know it's out of love for you. And then I can move forward in the decision I need to make or whatever it might be. It builds this confidence that he loves us. Number four, remembrance reminds us of God's eternal perspective. If you remember in the series, I took a rope and I said that God has an eternal perspective. In fact, the author, all through Ecclesiastes, talks about this temporary and eternity. It goes back and forth between what's temporary, what's eternal. This under-the-sun life. And of course, we know today there's a life above the sun. There's a life in heaven. There's an eternal life. That what's temporary is not all there is. But when we remember God, you're thinking about an eternal God. Amen? He's eternal. When you're making a purchase, you can think about eternity versus what's temporary. What one is more valuable? What's is temporary or that which was eternal? Jesus would say in Matthew 6, think about the things that you can store up in heaven. Think about the things in eternity, not just so much of what's happening, happening here on earth, which is temporary. When you remember God, you remember your creator, you're putting your mind on what's eternal, not what's temporary. What really ultimately matters, ultimately. You see this theme throughout Scripture. Think about the things that really matter. Well, how do I know what really matters in life? Well, how do I divide up my priorities? First of all, is it, is it eternal? Does it have eternal consequences or implications due to it? Think about the perspective of eternal, not what's temporary when making decisions. This is wise living. In Judaism, the book of Ecclesiastes is read every year doing what's called the Feast of Tabernacles. And I might pronunciate this wrong. There's two ways to pronunciate it. The one is sukkot or sukkot. And this refers to a booth, and I'll show you a picture if we have it. And what you're looking at is a temporary dwelling. The Feast of Tabernacles ultimately was a celebration and is a celebration. It occurs on the seventh month Around the 15th day, somewhere mid-September, October, in a Hebrew calendar. And it's a feast that Jews celebrate, and they remember God's provision in the wilderness. And the 40 years, and they're wondering as they're waiting for the promised land, they were instructed to have multiple feasts, and this is one of them. Again, to remember and celebrate God's deliverance from Egypt and God's provision through the wilderness. While at the feast, God instructed them to live in these temporary shelters. And they were made from branches, and you'll still see them today, that Jews will build these and put these together. And then you can see that one of the instructions is to lay the branches across, but still have enough space to look up at the stars above at night. And the reason for that is to remember of what the Israelites went through and how they would have slept in those days in the desert. It's to remind them 
of this season in their heritage and their past to remind them of the years in the wilderness. And so these booths are called Sukkot or Sukkot. And that's where this feast gets its name from. The feast focus simply on the contrast between what is permanent and what is temporary. Because many Jews are actually called, and this is a time where male Jews are called to come in and gather in person, they were instructed. This is one of the feasts you have to show up to, in other words. So they would leave their, their homes to come to these temporary dwellings, stay there for a short amount of time, tear them down, and then go back home again. It was to remind them of what is permanent and what is temporary. And so it's still celebrated today. Booths are temporarily, quickly deteriorating, losing their beauty and ability to satisfy even your basic shelter needs. This doesn't last forever. You can't live in that forever. It'll eventually crumble. This is the whole point of it, to remind you that there is a temporary home and there is an eternal home. As we live today under the sun, that's what the writer writes, God protects you and me. We now know. We see it this way. And provides for us as we live our life under the sun in the wilderness of the world. This can still be celebrated. While our hearts long for a promised land, and our promised land we know today is not just a geographical location, but it's heaven. Where we will dwell forever in the presence of God. And he preserves us. He watches over us. He provides for us. He protects us in the world while we wait for his return where he will dwell with us in bodily form. Amen? That get you excited at all to live with Jesus? I think so. This raises a question that I have in your sermon notes, and I've put there. There's a wise question, I think, that the book of Ecclesiastes can lead us to ask. It's three questions, but really it's one. Here's the question. In what direction is my life headed? Toward man? Toward God? Toward death? Or toward eternal life? Where is your life headed? Who, we ask this in I think part two, is your life really about? You or God? In the book of Ecclesiastes, it reminds us that there are two ways to live. Self-centered, I'm at the center. Or God-centered, God is at the center. There is no in-between. This is why this is a wonderful book to read every single year and why Jews do it. Because when you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, it reminds you of what really matters. If you want to get your priorities straight, read through the book of Ecclesiastes. Some people believe if you want to get depressed, read through the book of Ecclesiastes. I would say no. If you want to get your life back in order, read through the book of Ecclesiastes. If you want to remember who God is, read through the book of Ecclesiastes. If you want to remind your soul of where your your hope lies, read through the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a powerful book in Scripture. And it leads to these questions, where is your life headed? Because the whole debate in this author of Solomon, if you remember, he's having a debate externally as he's preaching to a gathering of people, Ecclesiastes, the Greek word ecclesia, this gathering of people. 
He's wanting the audience to think about this debate. What is your life really about? Who is it really about? And he draws the conclusion after having everything under the sun. Nothing matters. It's all hevel without God. It's pointless. If you take God out of the whole story, life is meaningless and brutal. There is no hope. Death is all there is, and then it's over. But no, with God we know, the New Testament would write, that life does not end at death. That there is an eternal destination available to us. So where is your life headed? What is your life directed toward? You, man, or God? They're great questions to ponder. When you ponder that question, it can put your own soul in the spirit of, what, what is my life really about? Think how often we are neglecting asking really important priority questions in our lives because we're surrounded by busyness. We get so caught up in so many things that are happening and functioning, we don't pause and just think about what really matters. How many months we slave away at work and work as the writer would write, and how much work there is under the sun, and we don't pause and think, does this really get me where I'm trying to go? This is a great book to read, and I encourage you to read it at least once a year. The question toward death or toward life really matters too. I believe scripture is clear that there is a heaven and there is a hell. Hell is eternal death, heaven is eternal life. Where are you headed? Think about how many young people today live in a world, think about how many people live in the world and they never really pause to think about eternal heaven and eternal hell. Reality is you see it many times professed by many people walking around the whole world talking about eternal heaven, but how often do you hear about eternal hell? I know, I know, I know. For some of you who grew up in a hell, fire, and brimstone, that has become a statement that is said in churches and everything was about hell. But can I just remind you, it's still real? It's still there, it's still present. This is his point. Life without God is meaningless. Man, it's pointless. There's no hope when you don't have God at the center of your life. So is your life headed towards, you know, eternal life or towards death? That's a fair question to ask. In fact, it can reevaluate how you live and conduct your life and every aspect of your life from how you talk to how you give to how you serve, how you treat people, who you walk past and who you don't, how you forgive, it changes everything. This is the beauty of the question. This is the wisdom of the question. That's why we find this book, Ecclesiastes, right in the section of the wisdom books, full of wisdom. A great question to ponder. I would say we should ponder these questions every day. Each day, remember God. Don't forget about him. Amen? I intentionally left my time uh, to just reflect for a little bit as a church. All through scripture, we find this call to remember. In the story of Joshua, when the Israelites take Jericho, or they cross through the Jordan, I should say, before taking Jericho, 
They're told to take 12 stones out of the bed of the river and then put them as a monument to remind them of the God's victory. And all through Scripture, you see monuments set up in order to remind the people and tell future generations about what God has done. And so if you would allow me to, I just want to take a moment and just kind of walk you through some of the history of our church over the past seven years and now today celebrating our eighth birthday. Simply from the view of what a perfect book to be reading right now as a church. In a sense, our seven years and conclusion of seven years, just to remember what God has done, who he is, what he said, what's happened, why? So our faith can rise now moving forward so that we can be reminded that he loves us today and how he gets us through. And so I want to take us back for just a little bit on a journey through the history of our church. And I know some of you wonder, how did our story begin? Where do we start? And so for those of you who are still new with us or maybe newer, um, this will be a great benefit to you. You can learn our history. And for some of you who have been with us from the beginning, you know, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I re remember that. And so I want to take us back for just a little bit over seven years, um, and we'll put a couple of slides up. This actually um, is our first uh, billboard that we put up. Andrews, you can hold on just one minute, and I'll invite you up in just in a second, okay, because I might end up pacing you here. He's walking slowly over there. Just hold on. This is our, our billboard because I have more time than I thought, so it's good. I'm going through time well. But this is our billboard. Uh, that guy right there, his name is Matt. He was actually my neighbor across the street when I lived in Wesley Chapel before I planted the church. And uh, this is a baptism that took place at Bridgeway. That was the church, of course, where I was on staff at for nearly a decade. And uh, that was a billboard that was on 54, actually, right before Little Road. And uh, that's February 21st. Our grand opening. That's why we celebrate it uh, second or third week of February, right, depending on. And uh, that's where we launched at Seven Springs Middle School. I think we have another one. We can go through these a little faster. There we go. That's, hey, look at this. This is awesome graphics right there. I'm just done to, you know. Yeah, how about that, right? I was the graphic designer, the photographer, the videographer. I was everything but the musician. Praise God. But um, that was the... Look at that. And that's, I mean, that's like as simple as you can get. It's like evident. I have no time. I've got to just produce something. That's what, that was our first invite card. Preview service, Saturday, February the 6th, 2016 at 6 o'clock. How many of you are just inspired by that graphic and you really want to go? I mean, that's inspiration. That's why no one came but Andrews and Lindsay. <laughs> and whoever we could pay to come, you know. Oh, man. All right, go on. Next one, if you can. That's my family. That's uh, Lillian. So this is, uh, we have four now, so this is just with our two. Man, I still look good. And that's Sam and my wife. She looks so good. Yes, that is our family in front of Bridgeway. That's like our pose. I don't know why, but we took this picture thinking this is going to help inspire people to come check out our church. I don't know, but that was like our, this is, we got to have a family photo before we, so this is kind of our launching into the season, kind of how young my kids were, kind of crazy. So this, we used to go to trade booths and uh, just like little, anything we could find around and uh, kind of advertise. And so we gave away, <laughs> look at this, a 32-inch TV. Come on! <laughs> Our church is so generous. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Like, man, who cares about a 32-inch TV? But we were just doing whatever we could. We had like, a, you know, no money in our account, right? So we're like... Man, just go buy a $100 TV or something, and hopefully people will come. And then 
And then we kind of, you know, we literally had them put the raffle ticket, and that was a way for us getting information to call them and say, you know, you won, but you want to come check out our church, or you lost, and I don't know. What else are you going to do, you know? All right, so um, that's our first service, actually, at Seven Springs Middle School. And go through the next one. Uh, man, so just so you know, we used to call it Connect Corner, but just putting out stuff, you can go through some of these a little faster, maybe. And uh, that's one of our kids' spaces. Uh, years ago, back at Seven Springs Middle School, we used to put these green carpets out. Look at that. I mean, that looks like a suck it. That's what I saw. I was like, man, that, a suck it right there. Uh, we, we honestly, you know, because this is so true. Do you remember this? Uh, Lindsay and, and Andrews, I'm sure, will remember. Some of you have been here a long time. But we put that because, of course, the sun was shining in. Well, I think those are actual, like, shower curtains or something. <laughs> like, as cheap as we could possibly get. Do you remember that? It just was like, I see that today. I'm like, what are we? It's just a bad design, but, you know, what are we going to do? We couldn't, yeah, that was just us doing the best we can. Hey, this right here is our first uh, class that we put people through, which was a, uh, kind of like a, we used to call it Next Move, and it was kind of like a membership, but not really, and so, but that's one of the first graduating classes, basically what we would call today maybe Inside Brave. There is the first group of people right there. Isn't that awesome? There, and do you see who's on the bottom left with the ripped jeans? D, yeah, D. Some of you are like, I don't know who D is. D's on staff with us today, and there she is. And my father-in-law's in there in the middle. And uh, so, man, this is just, it's really cool to see a lot of these photo of my mother-in-law up there. All right, you can go next. That's our first Easter egg hunt. And then keep going down. That's what's next. All right, this right here actually is our first serve day as a church. We took on a, a group of people in 2016. That's why the 16 is there. And we went serving around the community, and that was one of our first serve days that we ever did. Hey, we'll go back, go back, go back, go back. Go back. Do you see the guy right there in the front left with the sunglasses? That's me. All right, just moving on. Um, look at this. Oh, man. Look at Andrews, bro. Look at your beard. Look at that, man. No. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious when I saw that. And I didn't focus on me. I just looked at Andrews, and he's got, no, 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 no. And he's like, no, no, no. Like the hair, you know. It's like the whole... I know, musician thing, you know, I guess. I don't know. And when he, when he used to play and sing, you know, kind of come back and, you know. <laughs> it's good, man. So this is a really cool story, though. This was one of our first checks uh, that we ever were able to give. We gave $5,000, you this, to Trinity Cafe, who was feeding the homeless, and that's why I put this in there. It just reminded me of like a beginning. I think one of our first gifts that we ever gave to the community, $5,000 towards Trinity Cafe, towards the homeless. And, um, and so it was just awesome that we got to do that. And do we have another one up? Let's see. Okay, so that takes us through uh, Odessa. So now we are moved from Seven Springs Middle School, school to Odessa. Uh, that's what we used to set up and tear down years ago when that got started. And there's a first service inside of Odessa Elementary. And keep going, it's fine. And there's Lindsay, for no other reason than to show you Lindsay a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, and look, and listen. That is the only reason I put that photo in. I knew I'd get a response. He was like, we know that guy. And uh, I don't know why he's got his hands on his belly, but that is Rick. Service on our parking team has and set up and tear down. And man, what's crazy, Rick, is you look the same, man. Like <laughs> nothing has changed. It's kind of incredible. 
And there is Dee again, uh, helping lead worship. Um, and so you can go on to the next. All right, so this is a story of Stephanie. And I have Stephanie's whole story uh, dated. Uh, this is 2017, so this is when Brave had branched off from Bridgeway Trinity and became its own church. And so she wrote this whole story. I certainly don't have time to read it, but I thought I'd share it with you briefly. Uh, she says, in freshman year was very eye-opening for her. A year for myself, I saw how horribly drugs can tear apart a family, and I was slowly watching myself become, uh, became careless. I began to research local churches near me, but my mom never took me. I moved back down to Florida for the last time, uh, but says, but this time my mom came too. In 2013, my brother went away to jail for four years. He was my biggest supporter, and I was horrified. My father became merely a ghost, never calling or checking up on me, even though I was five minutes down the road. In sophomore year, I met my best friend, Mallory. She was so positive and bubbly, it made things a little bit easier. I watched my brother and sister both hit rock bottom in my junior year, and I hated it. I became resentful towards my family for not helping them. My sister began selling her body to strangers, and we wouldn't hear from her for months at a time. (sighs) We waited for the dreaded phone call home, but it never came. Mallory and I got along really well, and we found that we had a lot in common. Mallory invited me to our church uh, group called FCA in school in my senior year, and that's where my life began to change. She says, I loved going every week, and the people there are so amazing. And one weekend, she invited me to church, her new church called Brave. Skeptical because I knew no one at all in the church. Stereotypes were in my head. When I first got there, it was crazy. No one took double looks or whispered in their friend's ear. I felt at home. This past month, I became closer to God, and I felt like I was ready to give my life to him. And I did. And on January the 15th, 2017, I was baptized at Brave Church. While my baptism didn't affect my home life, it made everything a lot easier to deal with, to talk to God. And that time, it was like the weight had been lifted off of my shoulders. To know that I am not alone, thank you, Brave Church, for all that you've done for me. I was blown away by that, and we have a picture of her. There's her baptism. That's our first baptism at Brave Church. Isn't that amazing? And today, that we have 10 more, nine more getting baptized. Amen. Today, celebration of that. Um, you can go down to the next one. Okay, so Andrew, you can come up. All right, we can start laying the plane here. All right, so this actually, I put this up because, Andrews, do you remember that one? Yeah. That is uh, the studio we set up. During 2020 COVID, I mean, you talk about launching as a church, then all of a sudden COVID comes along and we had this set up this studio to uh, do services out of and videotape and record when we weren't meeting at all. And so that's, that's what life looked like for us for a long time. And it was the most awkwardest thing for like so awkward because you're looking to a camera and no one's in the room. And it's just weird for pastors I know who weren't used to that, at least no one in the room at all but us. And that's just... That's what we did for a long time. And then go on to the next one. Okay, I'll pause there. Perfect timing. So this is a picture that probably is the most meaningful to me. And I'll tell you why. In 2015, bear with me on this story because this is our story. In 2015, I was a youth pastor at Brave, or Bridgeway, and a few years prior to that, 
I had named the youth ministry Seven. We were moving into a building in 2012, and so Pastor Joel had allowed me to rechange the name, and I named it Seven. Felt like the Lord said, name it Seven. So we did. In 2015, God began to call me out of youth ministry and into planting a church. We began to launch the church in 2016, which just so you know, was the conclusion of my seventh year as youth pastor. The number seven in Hebrew is the word savah, means completion. The number eight is the speaking of new beginnings. I had no idea when God told me to name the student ministry seven, he literally meant you're gonna be out of here in seven years, but I was. In 2016, we launched a new beginning, what is now Brave Church launched. And so one of the things that I would do when I began the church plant is we didn't have an office, we didn't have a space, but I knew that I needed to leave Wesley Chapel and I would daily drive and I would go sit at this building, what used to be Starbucks. And it was in the parking lot of Christos where you guys have your restaurant. And you guys don't know this, but I walked your sidewalk and I asked God to give me this land. Let me reach people for his kingdom and we would walk the sidewalk where your restaurant is. And I sat at this Starbucks and I'll never forget this. It was day one. I sat at the Starbucks and I called James, Pastor James, who's one of our overseers. And I said, James, what do I do? And he starts to laugh. He goes, what do you mean? I said, what do you do? I don't know where to begin. I was telling our staff and team this week that, and for me, people kind of like hear me say that, and they think I'm joking, but I'm not. I had no clue what to do. So James says, well, just start writing a sermon. And so I did. And then of course, a week later, we launched our service and I remember being in the back, wondering if people were even gonna come. And people came and then they came and then they came and God's faithfulness just showed itself. And I look back at this and I think about how you're here today and all I think of is God's goodness on my life. Walking in today, I was reminded of his love for me. When I got out of my truck this morning and I started walking with the umbrella over my head, I, all I could think about was how little deserving of this I am. I literally told God on the parking lot for me, God, I am a sinner. Now I know I'm a saint because I'm saved by grace, but I was just reminded of Paul's statement, I still do the things that you don't want me to do. What a wretched man I am. Oh, how your grace is revealed in my life. I was reminded of his goodness. I'm reminded of his love. And it reminds me even today of what really matters when it comes to what we do here at Brave Church. And it matters a lot. Every time I drive by that building, I think about the beginning of our church when there was no one. 
And it doesn't fill me with pride. It fills me with humility. There's no way I could do this on my own without God. Everything is because of him. And Brave Church without him would be nothing. Bring it to conclusion with the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm so thankful to God for what he's done. And I read that first story, the first baptism of Brave Church, because of all the lies that you see in the hallways that have been changed or transformed by God, not just by us or by me, but by his work. And the beauty is his work continues today. It's all because of him. Everything. At the very beginning of our church plant, I won't go through all of these, but I just want you to know there was a whole group of people that met in my living room and we began to vision, and I still have these, and we began to think about what the church would look like and what the church would do and what the church would be like. And then we talked about what will it do for the city? And we talked about all kinds of things that we were just dreaming of what it would do, what it would become. And all this was, was literally a dream. On a board with a Sharpie and foam book, you know, foam board, like, like that's it. And there's a group of people that most of you will never meet or don't know who prayed for this church and prayed for you. And so seed into making what we see as Brave Church today. And I'm just blown away by God's goodness. The last thing I'll say is this. On June the 2nd, 2016, I have some of my journal entries here. I prayed something and I wanna share it with you today. I kinda said something before this, but I began to pray and I was praying and I had been praying for a large enough piece of land as a church that would have a church, a school, and a resource center and kind of that God would fulfill the vision. And I'll tell you this way, and last thing. At Seven Springs Middle School, what was crazy is the youth ministry was called Seven, and then we launched at Seven Springs Middle School. And today we're concluding our seventh year. Before we ever launched, I drove into the parking lot. I searched and searched for this video and I could not find it. But I took a video by myself. I was in my car and I pulled onto the property and I said, Lord, I got one question. I got one ask, kind of one request. I said, I just want you to give us land in seven years. Just give us land in seven years. I'll set up and tear down, but can you do something in seven? And I was in the middle school parking lot of Seven Springs Middle School. And today, as we conclude our seventh year and have a new beginning, I wanted to wait to celebrate this with you. I have in my hand a signatures on our loan for the property. And... Um, Man, when I signed that loan this week, I just wanted to give you context. Because for me, I didn't just see this, I saw that. I saw like how God has been faithful through this whole thing. And to come to conclusion on our seventh year, starting at Seven Springs Middle School, from a youth ministry called Seven. Like, are you kidding me, God? <laughs> when he does things, he does things so evident, you're like, okay. Because <laughs> it just it reminds us of who he is. Now, let me just say this. 
there are still steps to take. We still have to meet with the county to find out which property is right. And, and there's still some steps to be taken. But whether or not, and I already told the Lord, whether or not it finishes and whether or not we land on this property, the fact that we could just sign a piece of paper that allows us to have the money that we need to do, what we aspire to do is incredible. I remember the day we started and I looked at our account, we had four months of rent. That's it. I looked at our account, we had four months. I thought, we've got four months to see if this thing happens. And then it'll shut down. And today, to be able to take money and have the resources that we need in order to look at land, which by the way, currently, we're under contract on 17 acres. I just think that's funny too. Wherever it shapes out, I just trust that God's will will be done. Amen. Can we just celebrate God? Man. It's incredible. All right. We'd love to have you join us for baptisms. I know it's 1128, but please come join us for baptisms today. That's why we do what we do here in this place. And today, if you want to be baptized, it's not too late. Don't wait. Reflect on your life now. Take the time now to consider your life. Is it headed to death or is it headed to life? It's an important question to ask. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Actually, we learned in your word to just like talk to you, think about our words. I've been so emotional this week. Can't even speak. So good. I do not, we do not deserve all that you have done for our lives. Today, I charge you to remember him and make today the day. Do not wait. Put him at the forefront of your mind. If you have never in your life made the decision to surrender to him, do so now. Don't wait. Do not delay. And if that is you, I want to pray with you. Would you lift your hand just so I can acknowledge you in the room and pray with you? If that is you today, you want to give your life to Jesus in this place today? Father, we thank you. See your hand over here. Lift your hand up if that's you. Lift your hand. See your hand. Can we pray together if you're a believer in the room with those hands that are lifted? Just say, Jesus, I give you my life today. And if your hand is up, lift it up high because an usher is going to bring something to you. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life today. I surrender. Help me to remember you and what you did for me all the days of my life. Today, I lay it down. Thank you for dying for me, and I believe you rose from the dead by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.